0: Welcome to another episode of The Shredder Show. Today, we're going to take two of this. We're going with uh, Toby Risha, who's a good friend of mine out here in Dubai. Toby is a former Royal Marine. Um, He's competed at a very high level. He's uh, super jacked and has a very interesting background and interesting knowledge and perspective on fitness. Uh, today, we're going to delve into his mindset, his thoughts on fitness, and some other cool stories he has. So, thank you very much for your time today, Toby. Thank you for having me, mate. Firstly, one thing I've always, I've never asked you this, I always want to delve into. You going into the Marines, what was the starting point for that? Was that something you'd always want to do as a child? Um, good question.
1: Actually, I didn't really know why I joined until I'd left, and I kind of figured out it was a string of events. I think, but um, was I grew up in a countryside in Wales, and you either become like a builder, a plumber, or an electrician. So that was just kind of why I grew up thinking oh, I be Electrician. Most of the men in my family have been electricians, and but I've always I started boxing quite young, like thirteen, fourteen. So I like got a love for the fitness side of things, and I went to college for one day. Actually, I went to college for half a day to do an electrician's course. Sat there for like two hours, looking around at the sort of people there. This, this is, like this is not for me. So then I I met my friend at lunch for KFC. um and he's like, he's like, oh, I love, it. I love the course, you know, it's going to be great. People seem really cool. What about you? I said, I'm going home. He's like, what do you mean you're going home? I said, I'm going home. I'm not, I'm not staying here. So I got the bus home. I was 16 at the time. And then the next day, I got a bus, saw so a train to Cardiff, and signed up for the Marines. It was just, it, it was something that I, I always wanted to push myself with it. Obviously, the Royal Marines in the UK is like the hardest to get into as well right if I start at the top I can't get into that one then I'll go work my way down so uh, yeah I just there was something in me I just knew I couldn't sit in a classroom I couldn't like I had no attention span at all to sit there and and listen I had to go and yeah do something exciting I think
0: what was the biggest challenge you've had in
1: joining the Marines was the training hard? Uh, the training physically the training's hard for everyone the the mental side of it is what really it's aimed towards Breaking you mentally. um Obviously, I joined at 17. There was nothing I wanted to do outside of the Marines. Didn't have a girlfriend. I didn't really experience life as an adult outside. So, for me, I wasn't there was nothing pulling me away from it. So, when it got hard, I kind of didn't have like a plan B. Because I was so young, I found everything funny. Like, some people found it like if I did it now, I'd probably take it personally. I think I'd get a bit pissed off and frustrated, but I was so young and probably stupid. I didn't. Nothing really got to me. Only the the physical side of stuff like was very difficult. But the whole like mental side, like bullshit breaking you down, kind of thing, I just I just saw it as a bit of a game. Really, I can't say I would do the same. No. <laughs> what, what would be an example of them trying to break you down? Um, so, for example, you'd have to like wash most of your clothes by hand, and then you'd have to dry it all in like one big drying room so what they do is they make you get every single piece of clothing filthy at two o'clock in the morning outside get like six seven eight pairs of clothes filthy and then be like right you got an inspection 6am and if it's not clean you lose your weekend and you can't get it clean So guys are like really trying hard to get it clean and dry before 6am so they can get their weekend and I just, you know, like, I don't care about the weekend, you know, like I have nothing to do with the weekend. So it's things like that they would do. And it was like sleep deprivation and they give you like an impossible task that you think in your head, right. I'll try my best to complete this, but they know you can't do it. And as soon as you realize you can't do it, but you just try your best. It's just, it's that like pushing you to past the point of failure. Really. What do you think the biggest lesson you learned from the training? There's just so many more levels that you can go to with your mindset and a lot of it comes through like the brotherhood of it and the support system around you but there's so many more levels when you think you're done you've got another mile in you or you've got another day or another week um so it's, it's just kind of like exactly how life is you know it's this times in life when you think right i'm done here or like i'm so frustrated i'm gonna quit on something just do it another day or just do another mile so i think there's always levels you can go to until
0: you really are done I think and then you went on tour where did you go Afghanistan Iraq do you anywhere? no no I didn't do Afghanistan. No, no 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 where did
1: you go um I did like humanitarian stuff okay. mostly I did like counterterrorism stuff uh I did humanitarian remember in I forget the year maybe 2014 there was a big Ebola outbreak in Sierra Leone that was like one of the last thing that I did the UK sent sort of troops out there to help with the disease spread, and my job out there was with the team, just doing protection, just for uh, like the hospital
0: supplies and things like that. Really, what was the the coolest story you have for the Marines? There's got to be something that you're allowed to tell. Coolest story?
1: Was there anything that's particularly memorable? It's hard. To, it's hard to pinpoint one exact exact thing. Um, I'll get back to you on that one. I'll have a think about it. I'll get back to you. And what was the deciding factor for you to then leave the military? Uh, obviously I joined young, I joined at 17, and then I left at 22, so just short of uh, five years. I, At 17 I was on £750 a month with the Marines, I thought oh, that was pretty good, beer and food, what else do I need? And as you got a little bit older, I got to like 20, 21, I think my wage was like £1,200 a month, which is... That was working full-time in the marines I was working full-time okay. <laughs> but again you don't you know, your accommodations paid for food's dead cheap you don't really have a lot of outgoings so it's good it's a young man's game though and I was a machine gunner uh platoon weapons machine gunner so because that's quite a sought after profession the um the sorry what i am looking for To go into the next step, so the promotion. The promotion rate is very slow. So at 21, I was looking at another five years before I get promoted. So that was, I would be on the same wage for five years. So at 26, I'd still be on 12, 1300 pounds a month. Um, There was nothing exciting coming up. There was no trips I was really looking forward to or tours I was looking forward to. Things had slowed down a little bit. So I was like, okay, I want to earn more money really. At 21, I was like, I don't want to be on this wage for the next five years. So my original job was to leave to do um, a close protection, which you can do um, like on on ships and things like this or on, on ground. And <laughs> within, I think it was like two weeks of me leaving, I ended up getting a criminal record. It was just, it was nothing bad. It was like fighting in Cardiff. So many people did, but I got caught, and uh I couldn't I, I couldn't get my license I couldn't get a license for it, so that was a the point then I realized okay, I've kind of fucked up a little bit because I've left my solid career, which I actually really loved to pursue something else, but now I can't pursue that. so it was outside of the Marines <laughs> couldn't go back in, and I had no future ahead of me, so that's another story anyway and at that point, then I presume we went into the water fitness. Yeah, so at the point then i i moved to ibiza packed my car up, sold sold my furniture and i moved to ibiza for became a stripper no i didn't become a stripper at the time <laughs> that's later <laughs> um and i was there and i was in ibiza and my my stepfather at the time was living there you know we had a nice villa i had pretty much like everything 22 year old lad could want and i just wasn't happy with it and i was like, what am i doing here He's like, oh, you can get some work here. You know, you can do some security work here. You won't need a license. Um, It's just not, it was something missing, you know, it was like that hard work and that thing that I was so used to. Um, so that's when I went back to the UK and I started doing, I did a PT
0: course then back in the UK. And they, this is not putting words in your mouth, but I remember when I did my PT course when I was 18, I was very underwhelmed with what they teach you.
1: Yeah, to be honest, I didn't learn anything on it and that's not I'm
0: trying to sound arrogant they don't teach you an awful lot at all yeah it's a it's a common theme I've seen over and over again is where people are like oh, I'm qualified to PT that means nothing it's like
1: yeah do you know my course was a six week course I'd already I'd already been training and into training for years before that so everything I learned I learned through sort of self research and things like that and I was, I was already training people by that time anyway but um yeah the course six weeks and it's mostly they teach
0: you how to write plans and anyone can do that i think it's uh saying like it sometimes it's not what you know it's what you can prove and it's like if you're already jacked in really good shape you probably know quite a lot more and if you're in way better shape than people teaching the course like chance are you probably know maybe a little bit more than them suspects even for the process yourself haven't you already and
1: actually (laughs) not being mean but that was the case like the pts teaching the course
0: looked like they needed pts yeah, that's that's never a good point. And in terms of from there, what where did your passion from bodybuilding and like pushing and training really come from there? Yeah.
1: That, well, that came from the Marines as well. To be honest, that I when I left, I kind of struggled with not being in a routine. Um, you know, in the in the Marines, it was always wake up, you train, and you do like weapon drills, you do lectures, and then you train again. And then I was so used to that, like hard and scheduled kind of training when i left i found myself really lost um, and it was actually on the pt course that i met a guy he'd done a couple of shows before are oh, you in good shape you should compete I was like, get on stage in little pants it's like yeah <laughs> get oiled up and tight yeah i was like oh, the guys in the marines will see me doing this and i'll like never live it down um but he's like i'll oh, just try it you'll like it so i probably like two weeks into the the prep I started like absolutely loving it. I felt like myself again because I was I was going to be of a strange stage when I when I left and uh like the routine of it and how hard it was and how I to actually like push myself mentally again. I just fell in love with the the process of it and I thought how far can I go? You know, how like how lean can I get before I want to quit and things like that. So this that's
0: I fell in love with the the journey not the destination. Yeah, exactly. I actually don't really like them. I enjoy I, I just like I like suffering yeah, yeah, and yeah. getting shredded in the process to get there that like I remember compete like last two times I competed I'm like what the fuck am I doing this for like lying on some shitty floor waiting to go on stage and like this is just show day complete waste of time is like
1: it's, it's like such a comedown yeah you think it's going to be so glamorous and then you're four minutes on stage if you do well it's worth it right yeah you don't do well you think why the fuck was I like queuing up to so get my registration for three hours with no food and water so I can make weight and then lying backstage for another three hours and then they postpone the show for an hour I'm like, what? and and you pay like what 500 quid to do this yeah.
0: and then everything you pay to go in towards the prep in terms of everything it costs else, you doesn't... thousands doesn't it yeah
1: by the time you get by the time you get onto stage it costs you thousands
0: if you don't have a good show day it's, it's tough and that's why I think it's so important that people do things for the right reasons I think one of the things we were talking about before the podcast was social media and the evolution of social media and I actually think like I've spoken to so many people the last few weeks who've gotten, um, just lost interest in social media. Like I still obviously post everything on social media and do what I do, but I don't like going on it myself. I like longer form content like this, like podcasts or like listening to people so I can try and learn. Whereas like you're watching like 30 second viral videos that's not gonna teach you anything.
1: Yeah, I think, um, I think social media for like people like ourselves is good to put out. A lot of people they don't if they don't put out they're just, they're just taking it in consume consuming So yeah so it can be a very negative and confusing place as well. I try not to consume too much. I like to post. Um, obviously, like as a online coach, I kind of feel the more I post and what I put out, the more it comes back to me. So it's part of you know, how I make a living. Um, but I feel like if you're not making a living from social media, it can be very Negative, especially when you see, like you said, there's thirty-second clips on how to train, and then people get this whole idea on how to train from a thirty-second clip. People are kind of losing interest with the whole like. You now I used to look at men's health magazines.
0: Mm. I used them? to buy like all the uh, flex magazines. right yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, how do I do a bench press? But I think my parents just think I was gay for these <laughs> magazines <are> like <lightning> everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's the thing as well is that social media is great because amount of information is put out there but also a lot of the information that put out there isn't necessarily correct or like you can say well, actually I might start doing this it might be quite funny you could start putting like whatever the fuck you want out there that's completely the opposite of what you do I might I might do it and see if anyone calls me out it. yeah yeah because like the reality is that there's so many people who and no disrespect to anyone everyone has the right to like try and teach people and whatever but people are trying to teach stuff they don't fully understand or they can't actually do themselves and that's very disingenuous and a lot of people are trying to do that to try and make quick money and I think those people get um, found out very quickly because why I resonated with you straight away is because I know that you like the process of everything. And when you enjoy the process, you're not doing it to make money. It's just a part of who you are and what you want to do.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a side effect of actually what you love, isn't it? Yeah. I think, um, since COVID everybody came an online coach, right? Like everybody did. And I'm not gonna slay anybody because everyone had to find a way to make money, but. There's an awful lot of like false information out there and guys who've been training for 18 months, two years, and they look good because they got on their first steroid cycle, the first day they stepped in the gym. So people who don't know much about the sport, look at them and go, oh, "He looks really good. He knows what he's doing. And then you get like all this stream of really unexperienced, uneducated coaches who look good because they know how to get on gear and, and lift incorrectly. And they're trying to teach people who are natural, who work a full-time job, how to get in shape and how to do what they've done. And there's, it's like
0: night and day. it's compare the apples and oranges, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. like it's, uh, it's ironic you put it like that because that's probably the one of the easiest ways to explain it, and you can see them a mile off. Yeah. And how how long have you been training for? years yes yeah, so that's probably since so I I think I stepped in the gym first when I was like 15 16. it's funny story first time I went to the gym I had no idea what I was doing and this is when I actually we stayed social media then so I went to the gym I went and trained for three hours did every single machine they had in there and then I went to KFC because I was like you eat like, fucking loads of chicken to get massive and um completely the wrong thing I think next day I couldn't even walk like um but that's the reality where like people are very lucky now that social media is easy to have access to information but you just need to be aware of who you're listening to and why and I think even um, how that makes you feel because even though I know that although I've done well in what I do, you always look ahead of you rather than what's behind you. If that makes sense, yeah. So you get an inferiority complex because I don't know you've got a certain car, someone's got the X car, or someone's got uh, you've got eighteen inch biceps, someone's got twenty inch bicep. But you always want more, right? And it's human nature. Yeah, yeah and it's a yeah. it's a good thing to have. Have you found that something that's maybe happened to you a bit and sometimes made you want to pull back? Sorry, with with. Well, like with your physique for example like it's difficult sometimes like you mentioned uh, uh before this that you unfollowed a lot of people in bodybuilding because it was just coming a bit consuming
1: yeah okay yeah actually it's interesting i had um i've got a guy a client of mine and he's competing this summer natural men's physique competition and he's come like an incredibly long way and he sent me a message just last night being like oh i'm i'm having doubts if i'm going to be good enough to go on stage um Am I going to be ready in time? And I sent him a, a voice note back and I said, look, I've done 16 bodybuilding competitions. Eight of those are, you know, high-level international ones. And I said, I have the exact same feeling a few weeks before a competition. I look at myself in the mirror and I go, oh, no, look, my legs are way too small to compete with these guys or I've seen the guy I'm competing against and I'm I'm fairly confident and I'm like, this guy's going to smash me. And I think it's at that time I can't put so much effort and put so much time I think that's like we are a loser right in our head we've got to have a loser and a winner and it's who you are listen to so like the loser voice will try and convince you like you know, like, don't compete you know, you've already put so much Play time safe. and effort what's the point in doing it to come fourth or fifth but then that winner that you know we choose who we listen to and I go on show day and I'll smash those guys most of the time but at one point it makes me want to be like oh I can't What's the point in this? What have you found is the best way to overcome that? That action. I think action always outweighs negative thoughts. Work harder, work smarter, learn more, pose more. Not just with bodybuilding, but with with everything, I guess. Just every time you've got a negative thought in your head, you can usually get rid of it by
0: a physical action. Changes your state.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think it's very hard to convince yourself because you've got a negative thought. If I'm sitting at this chair now with a negative thought in my head, it might be very difficult for me to change that to a positive thought in the same environment, doing nothing. If I go and practice something or I try to improve at something, even if it's just one hour, I might finish that one hour session and be like, actually, no, I'm okay, I am ready or I am on the right track. I always think action is always going to outweigh
0: everything whether you want to do it or not just do it <laughs> there's a there's a saying I love and it's like action beats anxiety because I think one of the reasons that most men are really unhappy it's got too much fucking free time and they're sitting there twiddling their thumbs and they get distracted into women and drugs drinking yeah it really is because they've got too much idle time to think of what the fuck do I what am I doing rather than if you're busy proactively whether it's training building a business doing whatever like you haven't got idle time you're sitting there like scratching your ass wondering what you should do
1: it's like if I go on a vacation yeah, I sometimes hate that. First day, I was like, oh, this is nice and chill. The second day, I'm like, okay, I need to do something. I can't sit there. Like, It's probably not a very positive thing for me to have, but I have to earn downtime. I have to earn uh, a chance to relax, personally for me. So I have to like work very hard. So I feel like, oh, okay, I've earned this. Deserved. Uh, yeah. If I'm not busy for some reason for two or three days, I get anxious I get like going anywhere in life you know I'm, I'm cruising so if I'm busy 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 and I'm doing stuff and I'm putting
0: action into practice it sort of creates a very positive energy when we come to your sort of like ethos with fitness and training I know you do a lot of stuff differently now but what, what would you say your main training style looks like obviously we've trained together a few times at the moment or mm. just at the moment? at the moment at the moment um well let's go back to when you were
1: competing maybe let's so, a b- b- bodybuilding style yeah. I've always been a little bit like, I'm not, an obs- I'm not an obsessive person. It's like some people I feel they have to be, they have to do the same exercise they did last Monday and they have to do an extra kilo or an extra rep. You know, like the progressive overload. Yeah. And they're they're very obsessive with logbooking everything and I'm not going to criticize that. That works for some people. For me, my training has always been off a of feeling rather than data. So some days I can go in the gym and I don't, feel like lifting heavy so I won't lift heavy I will just do reps and reps and reps and I'll get an insane pump and some days I'll go in the gym and I will feel like really strong I want to lift heavy today so as long as my session I feel like I've accomplished something mentally as well as physically I'm usually pretty happy with that it's I don't chase I don't chase numbers my training and I don't
0: chase log books or data if you like it's, uh and this is i think the most important thing for people to understand listening to this is it's down to human psychology right some people are massive nerds and will fucking track everything and like i've just started working with luke minner i think i spoke to you before about it, and his check-in sheet like it, it would take me an hour to fill it in if i did it all and i literally said to so i'm not doing this like that like i'm that would stress me out more than the, the result of the data put yeah. into it. so it's like you just need my photos my weight and general feedback right i'm not filling in like what did my shit look like every single day and like yeah. do you I know mean, that's <laughs> that, that's too much um so I think understanding people's psychology is really important I'm probably more in the middle ground where I like I like to track some stuff but I think the big thing that I find where that goes very wrong for anyone listening to this is that like I did it recently on t-bar row like trying to fucking keep chucking more plates on it and eventually you will sort of hyper extend off the machines it's like you have to understand there's adding weight but within the realm of form which if you're really trying to push it, your form is eventually going to start to slide. Yeah, it's not going to keep progressing at the rate
1: that you think the logbook is. Mm. Um, and the thing with like for a lot of logging stuff as well is, many people are so accurate on what they're logging, but they're not necessarily accurate on like how many hours sleep did you get, how much sodium did you have, did you have an argument with your girlfriend before you come to train? Yeah, there's there's lots of different things I think that can affect it. So yeah you might have got an extra rep this week but last week were they actually better did you actually train better did you actually contract more did you actually make more progress last week than this week but the book is saying you've made more progress but I think for me like I said it's off a feeling
0: I know if I've had a good session even if I haven't lifted as heavy as before it's interesting you said as well I think because you have to learn to manage yourself so for example, I went away two weeks ago for four or five days. I actually ended up getting sick, so I didn't train at all when I was there. I came back, and first day or two I was a bit ill, but then my strength just shot up since coming back because I'd probably massively burnt myself out, but I'm too, like, um, strong-minded to be like... Like, I wake up in the morning, my knee's just hurt, and I'm like, it's fine. I'm like, that's just how it is, You know, is. I'm 33 now, I'm getting old. And, like, that's the reality of, like, when your body's, like, saying, like, you should probably take a few days off, and I think that's um understanding your body and also your psychology you sometimes need to manage yourself and be like i need some time off i'm never really a fan of particular clients like um scheduling in deloads because exactly the, the, the reality is like you end up getting the forced one right like you get sick you go away whatever like i don't think that we don't live in a you're not like dorian AIDS, we live in a fucking box and then you go and try you go back in your house and there's like light happens yeah yeah to you as well so right you, you got shit that happens you've relationship issues business issues you might have whatever going on so um i think it's just understanding like actually listening to your body of what's going on being like everything really hurts in terms of my joints and my strength not going anywhere for the last three weeks that i'm eating like the world maybe i need to take a week off yeah 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 i think it's there's always signs there isn't it
1: i mean people plan deloads in and that, that's fine but again with me i don't plan deloads in with myself or my clients because nine out of 10 people, they will have a, okay, I'm going on a long weekend somewhere. I'm not going to be training. Or like you said, oh, I've got sick. Especially the last two years, people have been mm-hmm. getting sick more than ever, right? People take a week off or 10 days
0: off every probably 12 weeks or something anyway. Yeah, naturally, so it's, a, it's an important thing. And I think one of the things I know about you, is so you fucking love to train and work out. Because every time I look on your fucking social media, I give a really good example of this. <laughs> Last time he and Toby trained, training, we trained arms because his arms are be in than mine. I'm trying to catch him. So when, <laughs> when, uh, <laughs> when we, uh, he messaged me, been in arms running 10 minutes later behind a boxing session, turn up and he's fucking doing like kickboxing for like an hour, then go straight into training arms afterwards. like, so fuck me. Like, you, and then I think you did a rowing session or something stupid later on yeah. in the day. Like, yeah. you love training, like, just generally exercising a lot, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that's something that you've always had maybe from the Marines, we were training twice a day or?
1: Uh, even before the marines actually i think exercise for me has always been um, therapy because that's a strong word said i needed therapy when i was 13 but um, it's always been a a nice release yeah release for me yeah like my family would be watching tv in december in wales and i'd be outside skipping hunchback just you know a little sony Ericsson playing music and stuff like that so i've always been obsessed with it like my sisters used to horse riding yeah like lessons and sessions and stuff and i'd be bored so my dad would be like see how many laps of the field you can run around in and out." probably just stop me yapping in his ear but i was always obsessed with like how how far can i run how you know how long can i skip for how many push-ups can i do um and it's always been I know like I'm addicted, I think, to the feeling afterwards, you know, that like endorphin rush. Yeah. Um, so I think I still have that now at 30, I still can't really go a day without having some endorphin rush, which it is, is addictive, isn't it? It's, it's like bodybuilding for me was not about the physique as such. It, it, part of it was, I always wanted to look good. I always wanted to have that physique, but I'm not competing anymore. And I'm not trying to get any bigger. I'm not obsessed with just being this huge guy. I'm obsessed with the, like the feeling it took to put on muscle. That's what I was obsessed with. And now I'm going into like different areas. Like I'm learning the i trying in the splits. Now I'm doing uh, Muay Thai, doing Kung Fu,
0: things like this. So I'm trying to push my body in different ways. And I think that's an important thing too. I think it's the thing for me is I get fulfillment from progression in life. So for me, it's like how much can I physically fucking push myself every day? And like yeah. training's the daily of test of like, how much can you really give it today? And there's nothing more disappointing when you go work out afterwards, Fuck, like I, I know I had more there. And you if you don't leave the gym and you're a little bit fucked, I'm a little bit disappointed. And that's one of the key things I think is that um, for success in life generally is your ability to endure suffering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like You can choose to, like, to suffer now, like in a small like short period of time or you can suffer for the next fucking 30 years um, and I think that's the reality with most people when it comes to like, they've never been in shape. They're not willing to like adhere to the shorter term pain of the initial part of the process. And then they end up suffering for the whole of their life because they don't take that first leap. Because It's something you have to develop right, is, is mindset
1: is like the suffering and the, the pain and the unpleasantness of it. Because when you first do something, yeah, it's like, if you put the, if the shower's hot and it goes cold, naturally you want to jump out, right? But the more you do that, the more you build up that part of your brain that can endure, I can't remember the scientific part of it, but I heard it somewhere and it made a lot of sense to me. So it's like, how do you push yourself? Like even on the rowing stuff, oh, you're so fit. I'll go on it. I did a, I did a marathon after a hangover and I hadn't ran for six years. and I was a hundred kilo bodybuilder. Oh, have you done that? You're so fit. I said, I'm not tall fit. It's just, you can endure it. Like ask someone who's never done anything like that and they can't they can't do it but every time you push yourself like a little bit more like a little bit more it's so much easier to go through those sort of that process i think of
0: uh, injury <laughs> yeah and it's just just building mental resilience and i think that's, that's the fun. the biggest issue that the world has is people getting soft and i actually said this some of day i feel like dubai is making me soft in some respects so i have my fucking housemaid come around every day my car gets clean for me like dubai food does, gets delivered yeah, yeah. you don't have to do anything and it's like <laughs> um although it's a highly efficient like highly productive life it does make you soft as shit in a lot of respects um and in some respects i was like maybe just gonna like start doing something weird like sleeping on the floor or something like a bit fucking (laughs) like break up the pattern and i think um the more you can push yourself more outside of like your realm of comfort because one of the things i say even to like the people we work with in terms of fitness or helping their businesses is like you should be feeling like probably three to four days a week like uncomfortable slightly scared of what you're doing at the moment and that's when you know you're, you're at you're like the upper end of the threshold of what you're doing and you're like pushing your potential problem is that most people aren't going, willing to go anywhere near that and they want to stay in the middle of the comfort zone And if you stay there you're never going to go anywhere you're just going to it's get you say you got it's an easy rut to fall into mm. isn't it it's
1: again especially in Dubai where everything's done for us such an easy life for the majority of us anyway um I feel like anything with fitness related as well Bodybuilding, any sport you do, you have to have that element where you push yourself because we still need it, I think, to be mm-hmm. healthy and function. You have to feel like if you finish a session, and you're like, even the like, kickboxing sessions I do, when I finish those sessions, I'm like, oh, fuck, that's over. Even though I love it, I'm like, fucking glad that ended. And I'm like looking at the clock and I'm like, oh, I can't be much longer left. But if I train on my own sometimes, will I push myself that hard? Probably mm-hmm. not. And you never push yourself mm-hmm. as hard as someone else will push you, no matter how strong mentally you are if someone goes do an extra rep or do an extra 10 seconds or go a little bit faster you're gonna do it because we bargain with ourselves
0: don't we in our own heads and also as men we're highly competitive someone wants to be pussy out and yeah exactly I, uh, I remember i don't know if you know george armstrong he's been on the podcast before, before all this and probably verging on the edge of psychotic i don't think i've ever trained with him like it and he like there was three of us training. I remember just first exercising lying hamstring curl, and you're like, "This is going to be fucking awful." <laughs> like after <laughs> the first set, you, you can see how this is going to go. Like, I fucked up. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. So, like this is going to be interesting. And uh, but that's the key thing. I think one of the most important things for anyone, if you struggle to push your training, is to go and train with someone else, ideally who's more advanced than you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, they'll push you and give you a real kick up the arsenal. and also sort of perspective in terms of like strength levels. Because it's one of the biggest things I think with um, people when you. Like, say, from me moving from the UK to here, just generally, is that you can be it's very easy to be a big fish in a small pond in like a little town in Wales, a little town in England. Whereas you come to Dubai or you go to the US or wherever, no one gives a fucking shit. Like, there's someone who's bigger than you, someone who's stronger than you, someone's fitter than you, someone richer than you, someone's got more followers than you, whatever. Like, and that's
1: naturally then how you're going to progress, isn't mm. it, as well? I remember when I was training in this little gym in the forest of Dean, it was a tiny gym, probably like twice the size of this room. And I was the biggest guy in there. I was 80 kilo. (laughs) I was the biggest guy in there. And I moved to Dubai. And the first gym I went into was Train SF, August, And I saw, like, all the guys in there. And I was like, holy shit, I'm actually, like, really not big at all. Because I thought I was pretty big. And I moved here and I was like, okay, I've got a lot, a long way to go. And I think if I'd stayed in that same environment, maybe I would have got a bit bigger, but I wouldn't
0: have... My bodybuilding wouldn't have progressed... How it has yeah, no it's the uh, same perspective as everything right? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, makes big big difference. What's your approach to nutrition? What does nutrition look like now? Mm-hmm. Now I generally eat. I hate to say the word clean, non processed shit basically. basically.
1: I generally eat non processed shit. Yeah, um, mostly just because of like if I eat bad food, I feel like my skin, my sleep, and all it gets a bit affected. So I go off feeling again um I'm doing so much output at the moment it doesn't really matter what I eat because I'm losing weight anyway you know I'm just shy of 100 kilo and I'm doing probably like three hours of pretty hard training a day um so I can get away with eating what I want but I'll eat three decent meals that are clean and then some shakes I usually have like nuts and if i want something i'll have it and it's something that i in bodybuilding i was so i know everyone everyone in bodybuilds say i was so strict but when i say like to the gram i mean to the oh, to the ground with everything So i had that obsessive mindset like when i left the marines as well i was like this is like discipline i have to i have to do it. i got almost got off on like being so accurate with it and i was so restricted that when i stopped doing it recently I was like I don't need to be you know like I've just I've just lost five kilos now in maybe two months or something and I've had a vacation in that I've eaten out every weekend I've gone to the cinema once a week so I don't need to you don't need to miss out on life just to make results just to get results unless you're a high level bodybuilder yeah and it's in the tail end of prep right it's like yeah because I think, I mean, I'm guilty for this myself. Is when I was first started bodybuilding, somebody come to me and said, "I want to lose weight." I would be like, "Right, bodybuilding diet,
0: chicken and broccoli." And yeah, yeah,
1: like and I would, and I would five I would, times a day. I would put clients on that, and then this is what I was just only just started off as a coach, but when they would struggle, I'd be like, "Right, why are they struggling?" Because when I was on it, I was like, "I want to win the show," so my incentive to eat food I didn't want to eat was so strong because I wanted to fucking win a show but someone who just wants to look a bit more confident for their girlfriend or go on a holiday to Magaluf they don't care about having shredded glutes so their incentive is like I just want to do it for life so I made the mistake there myself in the past with clients or things like that but now I know you can eat fairly flexible and happy and the most important thing is if you're enjoying a diet you'll stick to it If fucking hate a diet you're gonna Find the nearest excuse possible.
0: I say the same thing that was well from a training point of view is like, if you hate doing fucking back squats, you shouldn't have back squats in the program. Yeah. Because inherently, if you don't like something, you're not going to try very hard at it. Right. So it's really understanding that. And I've really got that to mind training now. It's the point where, like, I've gone up at, like 17 kilos in five months of body weights. So my strength's gone up a lot. So, yeah, you've blown it. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to the point where, like, I've been swapping, I get to a point in exercise and I'm like, I fucking don't like this anymore like it's got up loads of strength and it's just not going anywhere i'm like i'm just gonna sack this off and you're fortunate now the gyms here have so many different like okay there's eight that pull downs which one should i go to next yeah, like yeah. um and i think that's an important thing to not be married to anything specifically in terms of like i have to use the cybex hack squat, otherwise my quads will not grow or like because some people are so obsessive about fucking certain pieces of equipment i think it's a very british bodybuilding mm. thing at the moment i see yeah i uh, like like there's some like badge of honor for doing six plates on a hat squad or whatever, and it's like reality don't give a shit it's what you look like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How how do you look on stage? Do you, your knees still work? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um that and I'm I'm a big fan of ideally people trying not to use like uh knee sleeves, wraps and stuff like that if possible. because um, I think it's important for you to be able to build like strength resilience in your joints. Cause otherwise I think that becomes a bit of a crutch for people.
1: Yeah. But you see a lot of guys as well, they are doing that reverse bands. And i it has, i understand why it has it's, a place yeah but to the point where the bands are like as thick as my arm yeah and you've got eight plates on i'm like you really you do you might, as well put, yeah, you might as well just put yeah you might just put four plates yeah,
0: in. and but it looks good for instagram like, yeah but i don't know i think <laughs> the, the, the secret in my opinion of hypertrophy is how do you make the exercise more difficult with less weight rather than trying to put more weight on which i think is people are stuck in the other way around of like how and i think that's an age thing where i'm like i want to do this for the next 20 years and be able to walk and not have fucking pain in my knees all the time, that how can I get the most from the least and the same when you talk about food, performance sounds of drugs people use, whatever, like how can I not completely trash my body in this process? Yeah,
1: yeah. Because that's something I was doing a lot of, especially when I first moved to Dubai, I saw everyone loads bigger than me, loads stronger than me. I said, right, they're doing like 20 plates on the leg press. I need to be doing this. And I was moving it, but my legs weren't growing, I was getting strong. But like at what, at what cost? my knees, my lower back, my hips, I was like 24, 25, maybe I'm like, my knees were trash. My lower back was trash. I couldn't like lie down because my back would spasm, but I was like, oh, I'm, I'm pushing so much more than I was this time last year. And now i got to the point where I'm like, okay, what exercise can I do that doesn't hurt my knees, doesn't hurt my back, but I actually get just as much like stimulus in the muscle that I want to develop. So it's just trying to be a
0: little bit more intelligent with it rather than just like brute force everything. My favourite comment people make when I put up videos with this is, oh, Arnold used to do it. I it was fucking like 50 years ago. It's like they didn't have a fucking, I don't know, prime incline press machine at that point. It was literally like a bar and a fucking plate. Like that was the, it. And a cable machine maybe. It's like, trust me, he would be using different equipment. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> do you think if Arnold Schwarzenegger was in 2023, he would be using, doing barbell squats and flat bench all the time? <laughs> Probably not. It's the same with social
1: media, though. Like a lot of the the older bodybuilders, I like, always oh, well, see these young kids on social media. they do not, they don't care about bodybuilding. I think, yeah, but if you had social media back when, back in the day, these guys would do a photo shoot a week when they were in peak condition. So you're telling me that you didn't care about publicity. You didn't want people to see your pictures. Of course you did. You didn't have access to it. So now you've got like younger people posting their progress on Instagram every day. You can't really criticize them for it because. They don't, you don't, you don't get money for magazines anymore. You know, like guys would be in flex magazine and stuff. Like that. They get a contract, right? They don't do that anymore. So guy, everyone has their own individual social media of way to get noticed, to get sponsors, to make money through the sport of bodybuilding as well. So I think a lot of the older guys have been criticizing it. It's like times change. People, you know, there's no money in bodybuilding really, is there? Everyone has to go their own way
0: about it. And I think it's, uh, that expression of cream will rise to the crop. I have interest, obviously you've done pretty well what you mentioned in terms of your social media growing pretty quickly over the last two, three years, So slow down a bit, thanks to the Instagram gods. What, what, what do you put that down to? Um, to be
1: honest, I, I'm glad that I started working on my social media when I did, because I feel like there wasn't loads and loads of guys who were doing it at the time. There was a bit, but I think I progressed pretty quickly. Um, in terms of my physique and things like that. And I just, I kind of got in, like, I, I started to meet people who were already quite good on it, like, uh, like Tom and things like yeah. that. So I was, I, I, competed against him and then like, I did like, he sponsored me for a bit with his clothing brand and things like that helped my social media, kind of who you were in with. Um, and also just like, I, 2020 and 2021. I got probably, it was probably my best year for competing and things like that. Um, and I was just posting like, I think I did five, four or five shows back to back over the space of a few months. So I was just posting constant like peak condition photos, which were then getting shout outs um, and reposts from like other bodybuilding pages. So that kind of helped it grow a lot more, but I think in my off season. My social media was like so slow because no one wants to post someone who's like, sounds stupid, but 12% body fat and people want to see 4 or 5% body fat. Yeah, fan. shredded out your face. Yeah, yeah. So, and I think it was, a, it was actually a lot of pressure for me after one of my last shows was to get back to a healthy body weight because I was, because I make money through my social media, I was like, people don't like to see you when you're off season. They like to you see join you. the you're fucking shredded. team of doing a year off season. Yeah. It's like... <laughs> so it's like I want to stay in peak condition even though I know it's bad for my health because this is how I get noticed more this is how I get more engagement this is how I get more people sign up to my coaching this is how I get more sponsorship money so it's quite a lot of pressure to like okay I just want to stay lean but then also I want to progress and
0: grow muscle to win shows next year so it was like do I just keep cutting it's and you get stuck in that paradigm and this expression like you can't chase two rabbits so you can't yeah, can't try and get fucking huge and you can't also be shredded at the same time you need to be in not a, a deficit to be shredded needs to eat in surplus to build muscle yeah, yeah. so it's like it's that thing when people come to you is like i, I want to get huge but i want to get shredded i was like mm, you need to focus on one at a time yeah yeah unfortunately <laughs> if, um yeah it's, it's not a perfect world unless you're in a position where you're like you've never trained before you're coming back from an injury that's the only other yeah. exception to rule without So, like you, as you and i are now you're training for no it's not gonna gonna good, um, good. 10 years I I don't know how you could get such a response like that. I get I don't know. The only this is really weird thing. Do you know like the EMS electromagnets? Yeah, EMS? yeah, yeah. So I did two sessions with that with a guy called Andy Velchik in uh, the US. Fuck me! I have I literally I couldn't fucking lift my arms up for like the next day. I was like insane. Um, I think if I did that for like twelve weeks, like four times a week, I think your body would be like. I don't know how. It'd go about maybe retaining some of that because it's such a weird stimulus yeah, yeah, yeah that's the only way i can never think... tried it it's the only way i could think you could really shock your system with something that's completely different i see a lot of the top pros using them now for quads and stuff mostly on like mm-hmm. leg extensions and things. yeah the... i haven't done that yet i plan to do that when we get to vegas in a, a month or two but the i literally i think i took a photo i have no like i was much leaner at the time my fucking upper body was just like ballooned like every like corner of like muscle fibers <laughs> in your chest <laughs> were like they're just getting forced to light up that you don't really use you do that before you go on stage. In fact. Actually, was, <laughs> that's actually a fucking good idea. That's fucking smart. <laughs> no one's ever thought that. You have to edit this out. Maybe this could be our. Can we can come up with a secret advice to do that. Um, but that would be something I think that could maybe get new stimulus. I know one of the, the big things that you are really heavily into now is like martial arts and boxing. How does that sit in with your training, and how do you not break yourself with doing so much volume? Um, I've changed my weightlifting a lot. My
1: volume's a lot. I love volume, usually. I'd go and do like five, six exercises on just four, five sets of each exercise, just because I love doing it. Um, but now I found like I can do it, but then I'll struggle if I have like a more Thai session the next day. I've trained up a body. Me holding my hands up for an hour. Kills you. Kills me. And everyone says you need to lose muscle if you want to keep your hands up. I don't want oh to j- j- lose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to get anywhere with with the sport. I just enjoy it. Um. So I kind of have to work around it. And it's like I can't train legs before a session because I'm am kicking. I'm on my feet a lot. So I, I I've dropped my volume down. For chest day, for example, I will do like three exercises now. I'll do flies. I'll do like a heavy incline barbell press, and then I'll do a machine that I find works. I'll do. Four sets on each of those, hard till failure, and that's that's all I do. I keep my volume a little bit lower now, and I find it's a lot less stress on my shoulders, my
0: elbows, things like that. I know one of the things we also spoke about before is um, deep tissue massage was a big thing. I'm a huge advocate for, um, which I think for anyone who, particularly as you get older, and you, or if you're trying to really like dramatically mm-hmm. add a lot of muscle to your frame, or you're doing a new sport like boxing and um, Thai boxing, I think is really important because you get so many like impingements and like muscles just not enough all the time. Yeah. Um, would you say that's something that's helped you? So I
1: try to get one every sort of five days if I can. Um, and I can tell the difference if I if I miss one or I'm busy or traveling, I Can really tell the difference, especially between the mobility, hips, shoulders, and my neck. I go like two weeks without a deep tissue, I get migraines because of the muscles in my neck pulled tight through my head um so i get a lot of work done it's my neck shoulders and now especially i'm doing lots of stretching i get pains in different areas As i'm loosening off yeah i'm finding like ranges of motion that i never had before um so deep tissue for me is yeah it just stops me
0: also oh, it enables
1: me to just keep going i think
0: what does what your stretching routine look like at the moment do you stretch after weight training after kickboxing how does that look
1: i actually try to do it completely separate i do it i'm doing a row challenge at, at the, the, the moment yeah i was going asking about the... this yeah it's like 15 minutes or 15 days sounds easy but is that 15 minutes straight in one session uh yes so it's pretty much just like some some are intervals some are like 50 minutes straight it's different things like this but i have like 20 people doing it at the moment and I took the row on the first day, 15 minutes straight, and I'm doing like a sort of a program for the 15 days. Some of them don't know this yet. And on the last day, the 15th, the last session will be the same as the first one. So we're going to see how much they've improved by,
0: and the winner might get a little gift. What does, so how, how's the, the training change over the days from say day one, 15 minutes straight, what would day two, three, four, five look like? So we do like intervals. Some intervals will be like a minute on 30 seconds off
1: 15 minutes, which is pretty doesn't sound that hard but anyone who's used the roller intensely it's like it's pretty disgusting so what i'll do is i'll do like two or three days hard and then i'll do like a back off row which will be so sort of 15 minutes but you have gotta keep your strokes less than 20 which is a slow like most people's pull rate is like 30 to 36 in my room um what's yours 28 to 30 mine's quite slow i'm still like a bodybuilder so i I do the row like a like a leg system. press through. Yeah, yeah, I see yeah. so I, I I do like quite
0: powerful, but slower. Some people are better, quick. quick. Yeah, short and fast. Um, what makes the bigger difference? Is it the speed you go, or is it the power output and mm-hmm. like, just how much drop force? It's the you Power output, but yeah. Okay. You see guys who are really
1: good. I think like Eddie Hall's brother has the fastest, I think, mm-hmm.
0: 1,000 meters in the world. I saw a video. I don't know if you've seen it. Of Brian Shaw using a rowing machine. Yeah. yeah it sounded yeah. like a jumbo jet. It sounded like it was going to fucking <laughs> explode because he put so much power through this thing. Yeah. So, like, strong guys, really good, sort of under a kilometer.
1: And after that becomes a CV kind of issue. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I've been using the row now for maybe like nine months. It's taken my fitness levels like crazy. I'm big. I hated it before. I always hated
0: it. But for all around conditioning I think it's one of the best and how do you program that in again with the weight training you know martial arts rowing is it effectively like stretching is that almost like three sessions a day some days yeah so a row for me at the minute it's 15 minutes just for this 15 days
1: Uh, but usually it'll be between like 40 and an hour not straight there'll be intervals I'll do like 500 meters on and a minute off I find those are ones that really work your fitness especially for like Thai boxing and things like that, where you get a minute rest. Um, But I, if it's, if it's going to be a hard one, I will do a completely different session. So I'll do like a, for example, I'll do a, a martial arts in the morning. Then I'll follow that up with a weight session because I can keep it fairly low intensity then for a weight session. And then I'll do the row in the evening. Do you have a gap between the martial arts and the weight session? It depends. Depends what the body part is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'll usually like, like when we trained, I did kickboxing and arms, arms fairly, you know, I wouldn't go and do like a heavy leg day
0: straight after. So I'll usually try and program that. around. What would you say is your, um, basic experience in terms of moving to Dubai in terms of, do you think you'll be here for good? Does this feel like home for you now? Um,
1: I first moved here, probably the same as everyone said I'm going to do one year i do one year and i hated it to be honest i hated it yeah yeah i just it was when did i move here 2016. why did you move here initially um obviously i did the pt course in the uk started pt and for 15 pounds an hour
0: okay this is shit. pretty
1: pretty shit um i actually do you remember the dw gym
0: yeah yeah yeah. i think there's still a few of them around yeah i think i was working at a
1: dw gym and i had to pay 500 pounds a month just to be a PT there and then that's a lot of hours to then where yeah. yeah. I was like what the fuck is this and then a, a guy I knew from the Marines was out here PT'ing he's like oh I see you're a PT weren't you called to Dubai never been to Dubai in my life I don't want to move to Dubai knew nothing about Dubai I had no interest in what year it. was this 2016. okay um and he's like look we can get you a job I can get you like set up with like five clients the day you land I've got nothing to lose, so I literally just, just like packed up. I had a girlfriend at the time. I just said like, I can't buy somewhere and I was like in four weeks. Um, sold everything I owned and just and moved out here. But yeah, to be honest, I hated it. I didn't have any friends, I didn't have any uh I was I was working a lot, to be honest. I I didn't take a day off for like six weeks the first day I got here and I was working like eight, ten clients a day, driving around in my little rental car getting lost, getting
0: stressed. The roads are fucking stressful.
1: Yeah. I had like no Google maps. Like this, I was... They don't have Google maps, but they, they had it. Yeah. But oh, I shit. was selling my like British phone. Nokia 3310. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, But I was, uh, I just, I wasn't very really well prepared or well set up. I didn't know anybody here. Um, I just found everything very expensive, very stressful. I, I was working lots of hours, but I was working on a 50% commission as well. So I was earning like 150 dirhams per PT session and doing 10 of them a day. It's not bad, but you end up working so hard and not getting much of a turn Um, and I was, to be honest, I didn't like it until I met my girlfriend. I'm with now, I've been with her like four and a half years. I didn't have any familiar familiarity with Dubai. I was like, I'm going to leave, but I'm not going to leave because I'm quit. I'm only going to leave Dubai. Something better comes up. So then I met my girlfriend here, and then she started showing me, actually, because she grew up here. She's like, oh, this place is fun. This place is nice. Nobody ever showed me that before. You just like, got stuck here, PT. Yeah. It's like I go to the mall, and I would like eat at the mall on a Friday night on my own, and I would go back to my like shitty little room. So I didn't. I just didn't like it at all. And then you know i got with her and i met her family and i got a dog and all of a sudden it just became like home to me and you know now we have our own little spots that we go to and it's, it's very homely now but when i first moved here i
0: hated it so i hated it it's funny how things work out and how your life can it in a certain parts just because one person knew the marines reached out to be like do you want to come in do you still see him now no 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 but it's funny how that one person has completely changed the course of your entire life well, I would be sitting here right now. What's funny is I wanted to do um, private
1: security, right? And then I got in a fight in Cardiff. And <laughs> if I didn't get in that fight, so pretty much if I didn't punch this guy, I wouldn't have got a common record and I wouldn't have done my PT course. I wouldn't have moved here. So it was literally just like if I came out of this bar a minute before or after, I probably wouldn't be here. So, a
0: sequence of events, right? Yeah, it's, it's crazy, really. But. What's the goal for your next five years? um some
1: i'll tell you afterwards. afterwards yeah because yeah, i don't want to say anything actually it's, it's done yeah in stone. but um personally with myself i i like coaching going to continue to to coach online but a main aim of mine now is i want to set up uh, like fitness events similar to like something like crossfit but not crossfit because I think there's a bit of a gap. You know, like high rocks is quite yeah now, yeah. but high rocks is still very um, running heavy. So you get guys who are runners who can do weights. I want to set something up similar to this, but you haven't got to be a runner because I know a lot of big guys actually have. They're not because they're not fit. They can't run. It's a lot of weight. Yeah. You know, I know guys who are 120 kilos and they're so so fit, but running on their knees is not good. So I want to set something up similar to that. This is where my 15 by 15. Challenge. I want to see kind of progress into this. Uh, so, yeah, a, a sequence of events, things like that, which is based up all around fitness, agility, climbing, things like that. A bit like, I guess, a little bit of the Marines in there, a little bit of like weightlifting in there, a little bit of like my conditioning, rowing kind of stuff, maybe like some martial
0: arts kind of thing, all tied into one event. That's that's my goal in it, five years. One last question for you, 30 now. What piece of advice would you give yourself at twenty?
1: I guess hindsight is a is a wonderful thing, right? Because I would say don't when I left the Marines at twenty two, for example, I know it's a but I was panicking. It's like I don't know what I want to do. I I needed all the answers then. So I guess at twenty I was in quite a safe and secure career. But around that age, um, I felt like I needed all the answers. Then, now I'm 30, I don't have all the answers now, but I'm okay with it because I have a couple of answers and I'm just working, okay, make sure that this year and the next year work towards that goal. I was thinking, like, what am I going to do in five years' time? Where am I going to be in 10 years' time? I don't really know where I'm going to be in 10 years' time from now, but what I know is 12 months from now, if I'm 20% better than I was last year, that's a lot of progress. 100% thank
0: you for your time Toby where's thank the best you, place for uh, everyone to find out about buddy uh,
1: probably my Instagram Toby underscore Richard yeah that's it I'm not on TikTok
0: <laughs> yeah yeah um, awesome so thank you very much for your time for everyone who's listened to the podcast make sure you leave us a five star review and subscribe on YouTube uh, if you sh- if you listen to this enjoy it you share it to your stories and uh, tag me and Toby I'll share it and uh, we'll see you next episode very very soon thank you thank you it was awesome cheers man